go to the Lord in word of prayer. Um, Greg, you want to lead us? Amen. Who can tell me where we're going? Anybody? Turn to the same scripture for the last eight weeks. Yeah, what scripture are we going to? Can anybody tell me? Matthew 10. Look at there. <laughs> she's, so, she's, she's so happy you're raising the roof. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, should I? Well, it's just what you were doing. You got me in trouble. Miss Amanda, don't tell Brother Kevin. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10. Do something. Okay, all right, yeah. Matthew chapter 10, you'll work that out, huh? Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read a little bit here and then turn to John chapter 1 and we'll read. So, it's not going to work well if I'm in Mark 10. So, here we go. Matthew 10. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Does anybody know why I read these these names every time? <laughs> Good guess. Bef- repetitious learning. Before we started this, I passed out a piece of paper and said, please don't open your Bibles. Now sometimes she cheats. Please don't open your Bibles and just name as many apostles as you can. The results weren't that great (laughs) by most. So, repetition. Now, at the end, I want to hand in one out and see how much better we do. Exactly, yes. But we don't need to do that during that time. Now, that being said... I'm a little scared that you're not going to do any better, which is going to be a testimony against my Sunday school teaching, so I need to be careful with that. But yeah, repetitious learning, that's why we're doing this. And again, don't forget, as we study these apostles, I'm not concerned with just spitting out a bunch of facts, although that's part of it, to learn about these people, but um, application to yourself is the important thing. What is the scripture saying to me? How God uses these people. If God can use these people, God can use me. That's, that's, that's what I want through this study. So Matthew chapter 10, um, verse 2. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter. And Andrew, what? His brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the publican. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, John chapter 1. As we're talking about Andrew here. Um, we're still on? Yeah. You, yeah, is that okay? No, okay. <laughs> Oh, then no, we're not on Andrew anymore. We're, we're past Andrew. Since you got a question. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, we're still on Andrew. Okay. So um, give me just a second. I'll let you uh, ask you a question. So Andrew, um, does anybody remember what the tag with Andrew was? You know, uh, Peter was the apostle who 
with the foot-shaped mouth. Andrew was the apostle of small things. And that's really what we talked about at the end of the last lesson. I, and I also like the apostle who brought people to Jesus. I really like that. Um, but he was interested in small things, it seems. Or at least that's where the Bible and the Holy Spirit shine the light on him. So John chapter 1, um, let's see, we'll start reading in verse 35. Again, the next day after, John stood. Now that's John the Baptist. And two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, Where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, that being Peter, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist, a disciple, already a disciple of John the Baptist. Um, and he started following Jesus. I pause there because uh, we're not doing a study of John the Baptist, and it's been talked about before, but you see no reservation in John the Baptist, not only allowing these men to follow Jesus, but to encourage these men to follow Jesus. He just lost two disciples. He didn't care. That's what he came for. He came to do one thing. Point. That's what he came for. And so I see nothing in him of this. Now, let's do our thing real quick. So, <laughs> Andrew, okay, he was from the region of Galilee, the city of Bethsaida, okay, who was his brother? Peter, who was his father? Jonah, who was his mother? Don't know. That was a trick question. <laughs> One day they moved to the city of Capernaum where they had what kind of business? Fishing business with who? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also called the sons of Thunder. She can't wait. She's <laughs> over <there> smiling. <laughs> We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I didn't ordain your days, but I'm hoping that we get there. So. <laughs> Man, that, whew. I, I don't want to take four years like we did with the end times on this, okay? But, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's four years for Andrew, we got at least 12, it's at least 48, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, I hope you're here. Yeah, <laughs> pushing 90. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Andrew, 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 Andrew. Let me get my thoughts back. Andrew, he lived a life in the shadows. That's what we talked about. Ask your question. I'm sorry, I almost forgot. You had made mention that, generally speaking, 
deeply against the name of Jesus. And you had asked the question, why? Mm-hmm. And I was wondering what your conclusion was. So let's talk or about that. Have you gotten to that yet? We, we did. We touched that. I want to go back and look at those two accounts. Because it's going to set up what we're going to talk about. We won't look at them as in, in as much detail. I do want to read them, so let's talk about that then. Because Miss Peggy had a real good comment, and I fully agree with why. He, what he's asking is, did we ever figure out why people brought the people to Andrew, and Andrew would introduce them to Jesus? I guess instead of just them introducing them themselves. We, we don't know that, but there's some pretty good suppositions. So... As we think about Andrew, we'll address that in just a minute. One thing we looked at last week, if you'll turn to John chapter 6, was this account of the feeding of the 5,000. I think it's the 5,000. Yep, 5,000. And these men have come here, and women and children, and we're told that it's at least 5,000 men. Now, we don't know how many total there were. Some have speculated 15,000, some 25,000, some 40,000. We don't know. There's a bunch of people. We do know when we, when we saw uh, Philip's response, let's just go ahead and read it because we'll, we'll read his response. John chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. There you go now. When you see the Sea of Tiberias in the Bible, it's the Sea of Galilee. The same thing. This Roman guy had to rename it. So Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip... Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. John, you remember this? I asked you, what you going to do? You got 30,000 people sitting there. Jesus said, feed these people. And Philip, I'm sure, is like, He answers him in verse 7, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Do y'all remember what we talked about, the penny worth and the penny and the denarius and all that? This was about, do you remember? About how, how long? So the, the penny, we'll just use penny for us, was a day's wage for the common laborer. So 200 penny worth, about how long is that? Anybody remember? Yeah, it's about, it's about six and a half to seven months of labor. And Philip says, we can work seven months and we're not going to have enough money to feed these people. There was a lot of people, a lot more than 5,000, just by that statement alone. So Philip thought, the, hey, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> we can't feed them. I'm sure that was his, that was his, um, that was his response, at least internally. In a different place, we looked at in Matthew, his disciples try to encourage Jesus to send these people away so they can go into the, vill- the villages and buy food um, so they don't get faint. And uh, Jesus made a statement in just common terms. He said, that they don't need to leave. 
You feed them. And so the disciples are left with their mouths open until one of his apostles finds this lad that has some food. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, his name can't even stand alone. Simon Peter's brother saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. It's a poor man's lunch. I mean, I've heard preachers say before, you know, a pack of crackers and a couple of sardines. That's not far off. We, we talked a little bit about this last week when we talked about barley being cattle's food and what it's going to be like in the last days where you work all day long to get three loaves of barley or one loaf of wheat. So you work all day for a loaf of bread. This, this child had three small loaves and two fishes. Now, this, these fishes here, from what I've read, are the, I mean, the sardine's not far off. It's not a 10-pound catfish. It's a very small fish here. So he says, five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Now, what would you have done? We got 30,000 people to feed. Maybe, we don't know, but maybe this lad comes up to Andrew or to somebody else and they send him to Andrew because they don't want to introduce him to Jesus himself. Comes up to Andrew and says, I've got, I've got a little food here. So just imagine, he comes up to you. We got 30,000 people to feed and he has three, uh, five barley loaves and two small fishes. What would you do? Don't be overly holy now. I'm going to call you out. <laughs> what would you do? We don't know what to do. Yeah, what else? Have doubt? Huh? <coughs> Laugh. Yeah. No doubt they would have heard of that. Mm-hmm. So maybe not expecting anything to happen, but knowing that he's performed that miracle, all his disciples are going to know that he's more suited to find a solution than they are. Yeah, true, true. And I, and I say that with the benefit of hindsight. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, right. That's why I'm saying, what would you do in the moment? It seems reasonable that they would think that. I, I'm going to tell you what I would do. As your Sunday school teacher, I would say, thank you, little fella, but that ain't near enough. You can take your seat and then try to figure something else out. That's what I'd have done. When you look at what Andrew does here, he does bring the lad. Then he turns around and says, but what are these among so many? So it's easy to um, criticize Andrew for his what some people call doubt at the end of that, but at least he brought him. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm going to take him to Jesus, and let's just see what he can do. Same thing with a lost soul. What are you going to do? Not one thing. 
Not one thing. Introduce him to Jesus. I remember when Hunter got saved. <laughs> that boy called me. I've, I know I've said this before and y'all get tired of it. Too bad. I don't. He called me. He was. He called me for six months. Almost every day. Between those six months. And. I remember I was at work one day, had to step out. And honestly, by that time, I was like, good grief, just give up. I stepped out, and he would get right there to where I'm thinking he's about, the light's about to shine. And he would back off. And he would say things like, no, no, no. I mean, a lost man can't. A lost man wouldn't do some of the things I've done, like at the church and things like that. Um, six months. And then that night, um, was, it, was it the Irwins? That's the same night Nathan got saved. Was it the Irwins that were singing? Um, I was back there with Andra, and <laughs> I was watching him, and it was on him. And he turned around, and he kind of did that. And I told Andrew, I said, give him my Bible. <laughs> and so we went back. Now, don't get me wrong. I was nervous. I was bad nervous. Number one, so we get back here in the Sunday school room, and he starts. And I want to I say something. He won't let me talk. I try to interrupt, and he won't let me talk. Same thing he's done on the phone for six months. He'd get there, and he'd back off. Then he'd start getting back there. It was a little worse this time, but he, he would back off. And he was just talking, 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 talking. And I said, Hunter, <laughs> I'm going to get down on my knees right here and pray, and you do the same thing. And I got down on my knee and turned my head away from him and started praying. And the next thing I knew, he was crying, and he was praying, and the Lord saved him, <laughs> and all he had to do was just give up. But, Brother Ronnie, I couldn't do one thing for him besides point him to Jesus. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And we talked last time at the end of the lesson about just, just one. And that's where we're going with this, just one. So they bring this person to Jesus. Let's see what he can do. And, of course, Jesus feeds them all. Um, he sat them down. And he took the loaves in verse 11, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples of them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he didn't, he didn't just give them a snack. They were full. When they couldn't eat anymore. Jesus had given them so much. And that's what he does. That's what he does. If you want it, it's there if you want it. And so they gathered up, you know, 12 fragments and baskets, and you can, you can figure out what you think that means. But Andrew brought this lad to Jesus. Just one lad with a small lunch fed 30,000, we'll just say 30,000, 30,000 people. There was another time we read about, and this is going to get to um, Jim's question. In John chapter 12, where you've got Jesus' what's called his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. 
This is where he was riding the, the, uh, the donkey. And they were laying palm branches out. And toward the end of that commentary, uh, John chapter 12, in verse 20, says, and there were certain Greeks among them. Now, we talked about that last time. What are Greeks? What are Gentiles? And how that relates to Jews. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which is of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And that's, that's one of the questions I asked, Jim. Why? These guys came to Philip. Why didn't Philip just skip the middleman and introduce them to Jesus? I mean, Warren, if I'm a visitor and I come to you and I say, hey, I'd like to meet your pastor. Are you going to take me over to Johnny <laughs> and let Johnny introduce me to Brother Kevin? Why would you do that? So why did these men do that? Well, let's just, why? Okay. Yeah, throw your idea out. More of a, in a, in a related more to what their responsibility might have been in the group of apostles. And maybe you didn't get to Jesus without going to one of the inner three. Right. Maybe you didn't get to Jesus without going to Andrew, Jesus himself. Why wouldn't Philip? Miss Peggy said something good. Do you remember what she said? <laughs> you had a moment of brilliance last week. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was so good at it. Why was he good at it? Because he had practice. Somebody comes to you and they're lost.
<laughs> now, just, just imagine if you hadn't been obedient in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's better than sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. So, still. Yeah, yeah. And just that, it's just one experience there. Just one. Just one person. You didn't win a thousand. Could, could, oh, I'm sure. But it, it's, it's, remember what we said about last week? About how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> one bite at a time. Don't focus on all the millions that are lost. Reach one. And then another. And then another. That's where I want to get to. But in this, that's a very good, very good point. We didn't even talk about that last last, last week. We talked about, we talked about, yeah, we talked about um, Andrew being good at it. We had one more thing. Does anybody remember what it might have been? Well, there, I've read some commentary that thought, is it possible that Philip took really to heart the things Jesus said when he said, I didn't come for the Gentiles, I came for the Jews right now. And so he was a little, could have been a little fearful to take a Greek to Jesus. I think there's a reason that, Phil, that Jesus said to Philip, how are we going to feed these people? Maybe he, when we talked about that, he had the, maybe he had the responsibility of finding provision for the apostles as they traveled. So they probably had different duties and responsibilities, so it's quite possible. Quite possible. But the value of one soul. Uh, Andrew seemed to see that as you look at this lad, as you look at these, these Greeks. Um, what I also thought was interesting was something I said last week. The Already? Okay. What I thought saw that, we, we, just, we just did a summary of life. And bringing these Greeks to Jesus made him the first foreign missionary. Andrew. That's pretty interesting. Real quick, I, want, I do want to go through this real quick. Um, Andrew, tell me about that sermon he preached in Acts. The big one. Somebody. There's not one. Not one. We have no record. Although his brother did. Peter preached, 
I feel like he did. Now, people can say maybe we just don't know, and maybe that's true. But everything that the Bible shines the light on Andrew is one at a time. The value of individual people. The value of individual souls. No, we don't have anything that that says that Andrew ever preached to thousands or that he stirred any crowds up. Nothing. Does that make his contribution any less? Too often we think because you're not called to preach, you don't have the responsibility to evangelize. And I'm telling you, that's not going to fly. It's not true. It's a lie of the devil. It's what he wants you to think. So if you keep going with that thought, you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. One at a time is good enough. If you win one in your life, you've done something. Christ? Are they too nervous? Do they think because they can't reach thousands, they might as well not do this? That's not true. Um, people are just that way. Right. We're lazy anyway. I mean, and we don't want to get involved with anything. That's why you've got all these liberals that fill our school boards and our county offices, and our state offices, and our federal offices. That's why, because we don't want to take the time to get involved. We won't even vote. The la- the la- let me say this real quick, I'm gonna let you, and I'll let you finish up for us. 30%. That makes me mad. <laughs> Who talked about anger? Where is he at? Oh, yeah, that's right. That does make me angry. I mean, just that one. Think about, now, that election wasn't even close. Don't get me wrong. They rigged the election. But (laughs) say it had. It was so close. If just 35% of Christians would have voted, it would have made a difference. 30%, that's absolutely pitiful. Pitiful. We've got to do better. And we do have a responsibility in our day. Your lifelong responsibility is not just to go around when it's. But you need to vote. And we need Christians in places of importance, in politics. Absolutely. Yeah. That's true. So we need that. All right, now that I'm mad and can't teach no more, why don't you go ahead and finish up for me? Oh, you, no, did you forget for real? <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have let you go. I should have let you go. Mm-hmm. One at a time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And as they were obedient in reaching those one, the Lord kept providing what they needed just do one just do one I know there's somebody in your life that you know is lost I know there is focus on that one now whether they become saved or not that's between them and the Lord but you have a job to do
Let's make sure we do it. The value of one soul. All right, so next week we may finish Andrew. Right. Mr. Mike Robbins, do you want to dismiss us?